Hey everyone, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. This week, Josh Fox and David Kim stopped by to talk about the final verses of 1 Thessalonians. This podcast was recorded about a week after the tragic events unfolded in Atlanta, Georgia. And toward the end of the podcast, my friend David Kim talks about it. It's obviously not only emotional, but it references something that's pretty horrific. So, listener, warning, if you've got kids nearby, it's probably best to put in the AirPods. At any rate, join David, Josh, and I as we dive into the final verses of 1 Thessalonians. Welcome to the afterword and folks. Oh, I'm excited about this because I don't have one guest. Oh no. I don't have just one guest. I have two. Woo! Here here in the studio with me are Josh Fox and David Kim. What's you going guys. On? Yes. On, so excited. Baby. Oh, it's a party in here. <laughs> so, okay. You guys closed out our series on 1 Thessalonians. You literally shut the book. You literally closed the letter. It's over. You guys did it. Nice It's work. over, man. Drop the mic. <laughs> so you finished up uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the final verses, verses 12 to 28. And uh, we just wanted to talk about that because uh, it's what did you guys find when you were first looking at this? Because Paul kind of speeds up the letter kind of a bit. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's wild. It's like the last section. I mean, he's been so encouraging. This whole letter is like, you guys are doing great. I'm so impressed. Like, wow, you're standing firm in the faith. You're getting persecuted, but you're not backing down. And you're doing awesome. And then the last little bit, he's like, and by the way, here are 18 imperative commands I need you to get really good at. And in 16 verses, he launches 18 imperatives. And it's like, whoa, here we go, buddy. And some of them seem absolutely impossible, like rejoice always, like pray without ceasing, like really be at peace with everybody, Paul, are you kidding me? And so there's this real sense of like, whoa, this is going to be, you know, we're getting really challenged, you know, but there's also this great encouragement that, hey, it's not you that's going to do this. It's going to be God's power in you that's going to accomplish this stuff. So it's this on one hand, a super challenging portion, but on the other hand, deeply encouraging because God does the work. So anyway, that was the first thing that kind of hit me. Yeah. yeah I wish we had um, time for like, I think each command could have like one weekend. You know what I Jeez. mean? Like, it, yeah. like there's so much going on, like rejoice always. That could be a four or five part series. And so I just like, for me, as I was teaching, uh, it felt a little bit, I was excited to teach, of course, but it felt like, man, I, I wish I had more time to really unpack all of them. Totally. Yeah. Which is uh, which sets up a great pitch for me to introduce David Kim's new book, and it's called The 18 Commands, <laughs> his version. <laughs> and it's going to be great. Oprah's already <laughs> signed off on it. Oh, yeah, boy. I mean, look look at some of these commands. Live at peace with each other. Mm. Um, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong, that everyone strives to always do what is good for each other and everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Right, that, exactly. Like, um, so just crazy stuff. Okay, so let's talk about what um, you kind of didn't want to, you, you didn't get to get into as much. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is David, you organized this in an interesting way. You saw that the commands are kind of grouped in three kind of big buckets, right? So let's talk about 
the the three buckets that you chose were um the idea of um the people around you loving the people around you well yep. honoring the leaders the am- leaders among you yep the leaders among you and then and then serving and obeying the god above you i wanted to focus on the leader one because uh i thought that was that was interesting uh the idea of honoring leader oh, talk to me about what you kind of what you were thinking about that or, or what struck you. Yeah, because- so interest for me personally, I know that generally we have, as Americans, we have a kind of a distrust for leadership, right? It's just, uh, that's kind of a natural bent and default setting, but kind of the, both the, the church tradition that I'm part of, that I grew up in and part of my Asian culture is that we automatically not only trust leadership, but we elevate them. We actually put them on a pedestal and oh. it's, it's hard. Like we almost see them, especially in, in Christian church, we almost see them as literal representation of God, right? I know we are all made in the image of God, but I mean, like it's mouthpiece of God is not even the correct phrase to capture how much we respect and elevate and honor that. And, and I was, say some of it is good some of it does help us to really pay a proper honor but at times actually many times it crosses the bounds of the scriptural invitation and we kind of almost deify them a little bit um and Mm -hmm. so i i felt that when i got to westgate where like people would call steve steve that's just not how it works and it took me almost a year to lose his title. Like, and, and it was hard for me to approach him. It was hard for me to even ask him how he was doing because I had almost actually the, the kind of the elevation brought fear, like a deep yeah. sense of fear. Like I can't go near him. I am not worthy. <laughs> it yeah, sounds and, weird and, but that's yeah that, that's, which is weird because steve is actually one of the more approachable people like on our staff right that's yeah now so, i can hug him and grab him and <laughs> i get a little scared of him though when he's wearing his cowboy boots i don't know about you but uh, actually yeah we're all still there's some fear <laughs> yes yeah so but um so david you're talking about like the elevation that's kind of an unhealthy thing and that's what you know paul david tripp wrote a book called dangerous calling in which he talks about the dangers of being a pastor, how isolating it can be, how alone you can feel. Um, and part of that is that pedestal, that pedestal raising. People think that um, pastors are like somehow like more spiritual or better. And that's that's a hard thing to to break down, you know, to, to, to not have that happen in a church setting. Um, yeah, and here's the kicker, right? And then leaders now falsely believe that they are on a pedestal, like, oh, maybe I am better than the people that I'm leading, right? And so that's kind of the the the, the s- slow lies that you begin to kind of surround yourself with. Yeah. So what 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 does Paul, what does Paul's letter, his instructions, his final instructions in the book of of uh, First Thessalonians, how does it help us uh, avoid avoid that? One way I would say, Dave, is like. Paul says to acknowledge your leaders. And that word, oidas, his Greek word, it actually means to know, to be aware of. And I just thought, wow, how interesting that Paul's saying, I want you to notice. I want you to know the leaders around you. Take notice of them. Know them. Because those that kind of feel like they're on a pedestal or feel like they have to put on some sort of a manufactured, managed self-image to make themselves look like they should be 
in that's leadership. That's not known. That's fake. Well, that's yeah. not known. That's fake. Yeah. And Paul says, hey, know them. Get to know who they really are, their brokenness. Get to know them. Get to know their weakness. Get to know their uh, struggles. And for that leader to have people genuinely want to know them and love them and accept them, even in their brokenness, it gives that leader so much more freedom to come down off that pedestal to basically take off that mask and go, hey, yeah, this is who I am. And so we need, it's kind of both things need to happen. One, people need to acknowledge and know their leaders. And then those leaders in turn need to be open and be willing to be known, right? Yeah. I think that's actually one of the things that's going to help break this loneliness pattern. And part of the leadership is it's going to be lonely. When you're leading, you are out in front. And Elizabeth Elliot has that quote, loneliness is a required course for leadership. It's part of it. However, there's an unhealthiness that I think what David Kim's hitting on with this whole pedestal thing. You know, according to Schaefer Institute, 70% of pastors constantly fight depression. 71% are burned out. So we look at this and we go, whoa, um, 80% of pastoral ministry, they, they said they ne has negatively affected their families. 70% said they don't have a close friend, a wow. close friend. Crazy. So when we that's, see like- That's the definition of lonely. When we see leaders who have taken their lives, sadly in the last year, we've seen uh, well-respected and amazing pastors end their lives and we go, whoa, what's going on? It's part of this, um, this, this issue here that I think Paul is trying to address by saying, hey, know your leaders. And as leaders, we can be people who are willing to be known. Hmm. There's another side of this that is super uncomfortable. And again, not at Westgate, um, but nationally, I suppose, is some people would say, well, I got a problem, you know, just in general, I have a distrust of, of any sort of leadership. I've seen it be abused or I've seen spiritual abuse. We've all seen that. Um, the, uh, what is Paul saying honor leaders, no matter what, even if they're bad, what is or is there is there something else that's going on here? Because that seems weird. Yeah, I mean, the verse here is actually pretty interesting. It doesn't just say to respect just leaders who, but it says respect leaders who work hard among you and and esteem that very highly because of their work. And so it's not even talking about their title and position, but it's talking about the their um, their heart and their posture towards them and the way in which they're faithfully serving the the sheep that God has brought to their care. Right. So the, he says acknowledge. Uh, or Oida, know those who work hard among work hard among you, yeah. who care for you in yeah, the yeah. Lord, and who advise you or understand, pay attention, teach, admonish. There's lots of different words there. Uh, lead you to repentance, you know, whatever those words might be, but basically lead you in the way of God. Help you. So not yeah. Get, so not taking an advantage of you, which is the abusive leadership, right? Right. Right. Who, who and this, of course, steal yes. from them, but right. No, but but you serve. You don't take and steal from your people. Yeah. yeah, David Kim just hit the big word on the and uh, hit the nail on the head when he said the word serve. You know, yeah, Jesus yeah. obviously models, and, and everyone listeners know this, but Jesus models that the, the the leader among you is the one who takes the towel and who washes the feet, who does the the, the thing nobody wants to do, who serves in 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 ways that are difficult, and who who t cares for people in ways that are difficult, who works hard in that way. And Paul, in a sense, you know, it's it's funny in our culture today. That's not really what people think of when they think of leadership. They think of, oh, I want to be a leader because I want to be up yeah. in front of thousands of yeah. people. I want to be a speaker at the leadership summit. And that was, that's what it means to be a leader. You have a following and you have millions of Instagram followers and you have a website and, and you're the big thing. And that's what leadership is. 
And so we start buying into that weird, twisted idea that's unbiblical, and I buy into it. And it's just like, wait, Jesus reminds us, no, it's to serve. It's to give up power to empower others. And Paul, in a sense, is saying, acknowledge and hold high in highest regard the servants among you, not those who are seeking to get up front or, or you know. Yeah, use, yeah. So that's, that. I just think David hit that, so. Good. Yeah, and it, and it's a reminder because um, earlier, of course, what you said, Josh, with Jesus being the perfect model, he's called the good mm -hmm. shepherd. The word for pastor is shepherd, right? And sheep, uh, shepherds don't take from their sheep; they <laughs> they care for them, right? That's the whole mm -hmm. idea. But it ties back to the earlier earlier parts of the Bible, where Paul says, "You know that I didn't come to take anything from you guys. You know that I, you know, I we 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 worked." We didn't come, he says, we didn't, we did not come with impure motives. We weren't trying to trick you. We, you know, he, he says we worked really hard. We, we did, you know, we didn't take from you. And then he uses all these family um, words like, you know, you are, you're a witness. You know, we, we dealt with you like a father and his kids and, and, and we dealt with you. You're like family. Yeah. And so there's, there's a way in which Paul is defining what leadership in the church looks like and to your point josh it's servant leadership but we are whereas we're americans we like power and we like exciting and 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 servant leadership is kind of you know it's not as not as attractive sometimes sure it's a nice sentiment yeah right yeah you know and i think when you have this unhealthy leader syndrome it gets really scary because especially when all the leadership's in one person like say in a church oh, context man. where everything's in one person then everybody's afraid to challenge or confront that leader if they have got some unhealthy tendencies or unhealthy things going on in their lives. No one wants to challenge them. <laughs> and, and if you challenge them, it's like you get fired or you get ousted or kicked off the elder board. And we've seen this happen too, right? In the last decade, we've seen a couple of churches, large prominent churches where all the power was in one person and they started to abuse that power and eventually the whole thing imploded yeah. and it's a sad story. So, so again, it's like if there's abuse going on, even with leaders who are, have blind spots to that abuse, they may not be totally aware of it or they're so kind of conflated in this weird sort of um, posture. I, I think we've got to have the guts <laughs> to confront those types of leaders and go, hey, you know, this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. It's weird. What's going on here? Um, and, and Paul says that in a sense, he's talking to when he talks to all people, he says, warn those, warn those who are idle. But I think in the same way we could, he, Paul would agree if there's leaders among you that are, you know, that are not serving in the way that we're talking about here, um, you know, we need to call them, call them out. And, and I've had people do that in my life saying, Hey, Josh, I've seen some stuff in your life. That's not, doesn't seem like it's, it's really in the way of Jesus here. What, what's going on. And it's, it's, um, you know, yeah. it's hard to hear when people give you honest feedback about your weaknesses, but I'm grateful for that too, because I want to grow. And so, um, I think that's all part of being known. Yeah. And one of the things that I appreciate about actually Westgate leadership culture is that Steve and Dana are always the first ones to serve. Like any kind of thing that, that we sign up for, they're always the first ones to be there. And actually one of the kind of the first picture of the John 13, the washing of the Jesus washing of the feet that I remember is I remember going to that kind of that newcomers gathering, discover Westgate. And it was my first real interaction with Steve and Dana in ministry. And I just saw Steve and Dana pick up all the trash, serve food, right? Greet everybody and clean up and, and, and fold the mm. chairs. And just kind of that kind of, uh, that's the kind of leadership that, that's, that, we, that we're, I think Paul is talking about. 
that we're, he's asking us to model. And that's the kind of, and so that, that's been helpful for me, just observing the way they have been kind of living that John 13 out. And for me to kind of be reminded that, oh, my job is not to so that get up on some kind of a pedestal to say, you serve me now, but my entire journey is to kind of live a life of John 13. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let's, let's, let's pivot here. There's this moment where um, Paul kind of not warns, he doesn't warn, he's exhorting um, to don't quench the spirit. And then he uses this term, don't use prophecies, which kind of ties back to 1 Corinthians 14, where they talks about how sometimes the word of the Lord will come to a group of people. He says, don't treat the, the speaking of the, the present speaking of the word of the God and the spirit of God with contempt, but test them, hold on to what's good and reject every kind of evil. Um, this, that's a powerful reminder that God's still active in his church, that he wants to grow it. How, how do you think, um, what do you think it looks like for a church, uh, a group to quench the spirit or for a, a person, an individual to quench the spirit? Um, that, that, cause that was, that was an interesting, he, Paul kind of warns not to do that. What, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think for, I think for decades, the church had ignored caring for the poor. And I think that was not on the, the, I'm just talking about Orthodox evangelical churches in America mainly. I don't think there was much conversation around the, the hundreds of verses in the scriptures that commands people who follow God and love God to be generous toward those who are in need or to help those who are oppressed or to do anything. And so I think there were some voices that were rising up from prophetic voices from leaders within the church saying, hey, you know, church, big picture church, like there's some things we're missing here and, and we got to get after it. And, um, and I think overall for years, I think the church treated those prophecies with contempt. Yeah. In other words, I think we ignored them and said, no, you know, just win people to Christ. And, you know, if they've got physical needs, that's tough. They're on their own. And one day, you know, Jesus will come back and we'll be raptured. Everything will be okay. Um, and I think these pro prophetic voices, thank God, I think have gotten through and and people began not to quench the spirit any longer and i think there's a a healthy a health there's been a healthy uh, rising up of this biblical value of caring for the poor and so that would just be one example and, and now i think currently there's there's um prophetic voices around racial reconciliation that are rising up and i think in some churches or some believers want to treat those prophecies with contempt <clears throat> in other words ignore them and it's like, wait, let's, let's not do that. We need to be listening for how God is speaking, uh, uh, especially through our minority brothers and sisters, and then go, what is it that God's calling us to do? How do we need to change our outlook? And not just that, but how do we need to change our, our, our actions? And so yeah. um, those are some things that I'm convicted of and leaning in on and going, what can I learn? I don't have this right. Um, Holy Spirit, I don't want to quench you show me some things I can, show me areas I need to change in. So um, that, those are just a couple of examples that come to my mind as you ask that question. Yeah. David, do you have anything that, that comes to your mind? No, I mean, I'm just listening to Fox and thinking, yeah, I agree with you, Fox. And thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <clears throat> and especially the one, um, about racial reconciliation. I mean, it's just so 
um, I mean, that's part of my story. That's part of my journey. And, and as a minority here in America, minority as trying to navigate all of this. And while we consider ourselves Christians, followers of Jesus, where we're all equal, like amongst ourselves, that there is no one above us, that we are like hand in hand, walking and doing, doing life together. And sometimes that's, while that should be the reality and that's not, and kind of hearing the invitation of the spirit saying, no, I think there is an, a room for improvement. I think there's a room to, to, to have further conversations and to listen to one another and create spaces uh, for, for folks who have not had the space to really share their thoughts and be invited into the conversations of the larger Christian uh, church. I think it's something to pay attention to, especially uh, in this season, in this cultural moment. Yeah. David, one of the things that this passage clearly says is to um, just to encourage one another. Um, hold on. Let me, let me get the actual verse. He says, encourage the disheartened, be patient with everyone, help the weak. You know, he says, encourage the disheartened. This past week has been very discouraging and disheartening and frightening for many members of our community and the Asian American community the AAPI community in light of the tragic and horrific events that happened in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, one of the things that um, it was fascinating, uh, David, and you've seen this clip too, Daniel Day Kim, the, the famous uh, actor, he was on Lost, he's in a whole bunch of movies. He's been an advocate for the Asian American voices in the United States. And he testified in front of Congress recently about the attacks in Atlanta. Um, and, and one of the things he said, and it was shocking because I was listening to this in the car with my son, he said uh, that he asked a pollster why when you see polls of like um, political stuff, like why Asian Americans aren't, aren't, aren't a segment. And the pollster told him, well, Asians are statistically insignificant in the United States. And my son and I just looked at each other like, what? Like, this is not the reality of Westgate. This is not the reality of the Bay Area. My son's school is probably 50% Asian American. That, that his his best friend is is Asian American. It, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to him. That's not the reality. This season has been difficult. What has encouraged you in the local church context? What encourages you in these moments that are so disheartening? Yeah, I mean, let me just say uh, it's it's not really complex uh, for me, at least. I think it's really checking in and. And, and inviting uh, and, and just saying, I, I'm here to listen. I'm here to just, I, I'm just here to learn. I'm just here to hear your story, your journey and, 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 and hear how you're processing things. Is there anything that I can pray uh, with you for? I mean, uh, it's, it's just really coming alongside to that. And so like even my men's group, uh, they uh, just even the other day, they gave me ample time to just say, hey, David, like take as much time of this men's group for you to just process things with us and 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 towards the end uh, i remember one of the guys just said okay like at, like what's an helpful actionable item that we can do to come alongside you in this season like those things i mean like even if i didn't have an answer for that i felt yeah. seen and loved yeah. and cared for and and you know this whole atlanta shooting uh you know about 10 you know a week ago uh, now more than a week ago I mean, of the six, there that's, you know, Asian women. And of the six, four, I mean, I'm Korean American, 
of the four are Korean and I have two yeah. girls, you know? Yeah. And my wife is Asian American. You know, my wife is Korean American woman. Yeah. And and I'm I'm processing that real time. You know, they oh wow, this is like that was a little close to home. Yeah. And I mean, no other reason than. Yeah. Yeah. And so trying to navigate that and what does that mean for us? How do we? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I appreciate mm -hmm. your, I appreciate your vulnerability, um, David, and in sharing that, I think, I think when Paul says to encourage and the disheartened, I think it's to come alongside and to, and to grieve with those who are grieving um you know you mentioned that that passage that verse uh tish where where paul says rejoice always and yet um we're also called to grieve second corinthians six ten, paul says our hearts ache but we always have joy um there's a sense that when our brothers are suffering we grieve with them and come alongside and I think that's one of the prophetic voices right now speaking, the Holy Spirit saying, come alongside those who are feeling who are these ways, yeah. who are experiencing this kind of hatred and come alongside and encourage the disheartened. Yeah. And so we need, to, we need to get better at that. And um, the fact is God loves different. He loves different. In the new heavens and the new earth, it's all nations, every tribe, every color. He doesn't do away with that. He celebrates that. It's an eternal reality of the human experience. So we need to celebrate that and, and, and pursue that here and now. And doing so means that we come alongside and that we show solidarity. Yeah. And David, thanks for sharing that. It's just kind of a, a holy moment. We, we agree with you too. And, and I'm just grateful to be at a church. Um, I cannot literally cannot imagine my life um without asian americans influencing it i've been so deeply if the the idea of statistically insignificant is i'm so glad we have a church with so many leaders um so many gifted folks from all sorts of different backgrounds pouring into my life the life of my kids my my wife uh just being a part of this and I think that we can model for the world what true brotherhood and sisterhood and family looks like. And I think that this is what Paul is saying, live at peace with one another. Show the world what God's love might look like, what Jesus' love might look like, because the world can't get it right. The world bickers and argues, and I, I, it's my prayer that we can you know, do this. And David, also, there's another command to greet each other with a holy kiss. So the next time I see you, I'm not saying I'm going to lay one on you, but you better be prepared. <laughs> Wow. I'm just saying. It's a uh, command of scripture. I don't really want to be in violation of God's holy word, David. I, so. I'm trying I'm going to try that with my wife tonight. I hope it's <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Guys, uh, I I know we probably could keep going on this, but I, I don't want to I don't want to uh, take your time anymore. Thank you guys for sharing. And uh any other any other closing words that you want to do you want to end with? You know, Dad, you were just talking about like the beauty of, of diversity. And um, my favorite two years of my childhood were when my parents moved us to Bangkok, Thailand. And I went to the International School of Bangkok and I had five close friends I developed 
and they were from all different countries. One was from uh, Nepal, one was from wow. Japan, one was from Europe, one was from Texas, one was from a, a, a Latin American country. And we, we formed a gang. I literally, we all, I said, look, we got to get leather jackets. <laughs> we were in fourth oh, grade. We all had leather jackets. We had the special handshake. And I'll tell you what, it, as I look back on my, <laughs> on my uh, you know, childhood, it's one of my favorite memories growing up. And it happened to be with people from all different backgrounds. And it just made me realize, you know, God, God's created us this way. And it's actually for our benefit that we would enjoy one another and enjoy one another's differences. And yet we would all be, you know, we would all be wearing the same leather jacket. We'd all be united by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. And so um, and sealed by Christ. I love yeah, how when you talked about memory. all different nations, you listed Texas as a nation. Right, <laughs> yeah. I think Steve would agree. I think you'd say it's the best nation on earth. <laughs> Oh. That's awesome. David, any closing thoughts as we as we close out the book of First Thessalonians? Uh, I mean, no, other than, yeah, just appreciate you guys' friendship. I think you guys are modeling what what it really is like to live in community and wait for the return of Jesus to love and enjoy, rejoice and grieve with one another. So just, yeah, love this time and love being with you guys and and for those, everyone that's listening, just grateful for you guys and your support and prayers during this mm. season. Yeah. And it's like we, special... we, yeah, like we as Westgate leaders, we, we are really grateful that Westgate, you guys have come alongside and you guys have uh, given faithfully, supported yeah. us, encouraged us. And so you guys are living out that first Thessalonians like vision. And so that's grateful awesome. for that. That's right. I, I second that, true. David. Yep. Yeah. It's special, and I'm, I'm excited to see how we keep building this First Thessalonians community in the coming weeks and months. It's been a, a joy to be in Zoom calls, but I can't wait to get back in person. It's been a joy to be online services, but I can't wait to get back in person and see everybody. Totally, um, especially the Holy Kids. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, hello there. All right, uh, guys, thanks a ton. And uh, for all you listening, uh, just so grateful that we live in a, a church that's trying really hard to live out these words um, of Paul. And uh, I love how he says, you know, as you keep doing this, as you, I know you're going to keep doing it. And I feel that that's, um, that's what Westgate is. Like, we, we're just keep doing what you're doing and do it more and better. It's like, I love mm. it. I love it. I love yeah. it. So let's keep doing it more and better. And, uh, and as we head into Easter and Good Friday and the celebration of that season, uh, I'm looking forward to Holy Week and then uh, launching into the new sermon series about how not to read the Bible. So we're excited about what's coming up and, and uh, lots of good stuff. So thank you guys for being with us, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. See you, everybody. Just want to thank my friends Josh Fox and David Kim for stopping by. And that's it for First Thessalonians, folks. Join us next week when we go into right into the Good Friday and Easter season. And then right after that, we're going into our next sermon series, How Not to Read the Bible, based on the book by Dan Kimball. This is going to be a fascinating and deep discussion. Is the Bible anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery? What about all those crazy portions of scripture? How do we make sense of them? We're going to have guests on every week to help us make sense of that. It's going to be great. I cannot wait for that. So we'll talk to you soon.